Yeah. But I like this a lot better. Yeah, I love yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> now yeah. we love quantum physics. I'm going to cut the episode so that we're all saying this first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quantum physics is the best. <laughs> so that's how my crew felt 45 minutes into the episode. Let's check back and see how the alchemical actors felt about quantum mechanics when we first got started. I can't talk about quantum physics. You're going to have to. Because this is our episode. <laughs> on quantum physics. On quantum consciousness. Quantum consciousness. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to Occult Confessions. Uh, we are here to, yes, complete our soul series. We're, we're starting? Woo! No, we've, cool. we're finished. We've already we're started. Finished. This is the end of the episode, Almost Shannon. Did well, you I didn't know notice? we were starting the that episode was it. We now. Did it. it was so casual. I've been recording this whole time. This was it's very sneaky. casual. Very yep. sneaky. There you go. We've well, hello, audience. Yeah, hello. <laughs> so, okay, if, you, if we could time travel, which we'll be talking about. No, we won't be talking about that. Will oh, we? I don't think maybe. So. I'll bring it up. I'm the one point. who's supposed to know. It's Remind all a surprise today. I guess someone should know. Here we are <laughs> to discuss how quantum physics Ugh. can potentially, you're going to love this, can potentially demonstrate to us that we are, in fact, immortal or that our minds can last forever. Quantum physics, no, no sound effect that time. I was thinking about making a noise every time every you say single it, time. but... It's better so if it's the, involuntary. Yeah, yeah, we want it to be natural. <laughs> the first one is... It's basically the study of the weirdness of the physical world at the atomic and subatomic levels. <laughs> See, that's such a gross sentence. <laughs> this is just the smallest parts, right, Rob? Yeah, way to sell this to the audience. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the physical world does not behave in the same way at the quantum level as it does at our level. Molecules can pass through solid bodies or influence each other's behavior, even though there is no discernible connection between them, or what Einstein called spooky action at a distance. Is that really what I Einstein called that. it? Yeah, he did. That's my favorite See, kind now of you like it. See? I'm going to use that like <laughs> as an a- as an adjective to like describe. Somehow I'm going to use that, and I don't know. How. Is that what we? What are you do? doing today, Olivia? Spooky action at a distance. Yeah, <laughs> just like no, that's what we're doing with this podcast, ah, right? Yeah, there you go. But people are like, listening at home at a distance from a distance, talking about spooky stuff. It sounds like a stage direction. While we're on it, <laughs> Shannon, we want to welcome our new Australian listeners. Hi. We noticed you, and we're glad to have you. Can anyone do an Australian accent? No. Please don't do that. The answer don't to that them. is we, don't we just invited Say them to the physics. In an Australian accent. Duck. We just welcome these people. Why are <laughs> we going to welcome them? them? Anyway. Feel Im- at home. Imagine if when you picked up your lamp, your rocking chair levitated a foot off the ground. <laughs> That's that spooky crazy. action at a distance. Yeah. Oh. Or if when you turned the lamp off, the rocker fell on its side and lifted back up when you turned it back on. This is all spooky action. Sounds like string theory. We're getting there. Kind of. Anyway, this kind of thing actually happens at the molecular level, and it happens all the time, and it's freaking baffling. If consciousness is deeply mysterious and seems to defy or transcend the limits and the laws of the physical world as we know it, maybe, just maybe, the key to consciousness lies somewhere inside the spooky world of the quantum. 
Oh. I like the way that sounded. Though. All right. <laughs> My name is Rob Thompson. I am a professor of occultism, and I am the supreme hierophant of our secret order of alchemical actors. Sitting beside me is Olivia Litterall, the grandmaster of our order. It's me. And beside her, we have James Caplangis. Howdy, folks. Shannon Landers. <laughs> Hello. And joining us for the very first time, Lucy Bond. Hi, guys. <laughs> Do we need to, like, to induct her, right? Do we yeah. Need to... Lucy, give us a fun fact real fast about you. Um, I am good at finding poorly clovers. <gasps> so that's really good. That's pretty cool. magical. Yeah, yeah wow. I'll take that. Blood, that's a good occult yes. fact. Okay. Uh, but we're going to have to do the, uh, the beginning here now. And Lucy, maybe you just listen this time. Yeah. You, there's a chant. There's that's a chant, funny. yes. I don't know the words yet. We, the members of the secret order of alchemical actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. <laughs> so if any of you are wondering what that sound was... Uh, Spooky business from a distance. Yes. Spooky action. Lucy wanted to make a contribution, and so she, I think, howled. I like business from a distance. Okay, a word of warning before we launch into this. First, Lucy is not a werewolf. No, uh, I'm uh, not a physicist. Let's what? just get that out there. Not a physicist. Oh, okay. Hashtag not a physicist. I'm more of an armchair enthusiast when it comes to quantum theory. So we'll be talking about these ideas purely on the idea level and leaving off any of the equations that make sense of this. Also, math, I'm sure, is hard to convey on a in a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Are there math podcasts, math casts? Yeah, uh, History of Math, I listen. Really? That's a real thing? It's only eight episodes long, though. Eight episodes? It's the BBC. It's the whole History history of Math? math You can do that in eight? Okay. I believe that. Uh, Second, there's been a lot of appropriation of quantum physics by people in our area. The occult area. Uh, Specifically, occultists, postmodern metaphysicals, and New Agers. Oh, yes. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. But stop appropriating quantum physics. Hashtag Um, stop appropriating quantum physics. (laughs) The quantum quantum controversy surrounding New Age belief uh, points back to a particular book, uh, which is the hot point in in this debate. Uh, Just to let you know what I'm talking about. In 2004... There was a documentary-esque movie that came out called What the Bleep Do We Know? With bleep being the actual word in the title, not, you know. Yeah. The earth Do we censor ourselves on this? Not generally. Okay. Uh, And this, but that's how the title was. And it tried to connect quantum theory to theories by leaders in the New Age movement like Jay-Z Knight, who, for example, channels the 35,000-year-old Lemurian Ramtha. Hmm. He's a Lemur- Lemurian. Is where- he's from Lemur, and oh his name is is Ramtha. Is, Ramtha. is Lemur in Malaysia? No, it's a it's like Atlantis, only we could do not a in whole the water. Episode, whole other thing. Yeah, on, I could sit here conspiracies all day about <laughs> lemurs. Part of the <laughs> <laughs> yes, conspiracies about lemurs. Part of the movie's argument uh, was that consciousness can be explained through quantum mechanics, which in turn shows how the mind can reshape itself and addresses its own psychological problems and make physical changes to the world, like moving water molecules, for example. Part of the cl- one of the claims is that we can move water molecules with our minds. Cool. <laughs> 
But yes, I mean, go ahead and read the book and decide for yourself. But the reaction from academic science to the book was not kind, uh, with both perfectly relevant uh, physicists and completely irrelevant atheists, like Charles Dawkins, who always has something to say, calling it pseudoscience. Some of this was valid. There's an over-enthusiasm for using, using quantum theory to explain occult belief and paranormal phenomena and connecting the quantum mechanics of the brain to the ability to move objects with your mind is actually a bit of a leap. It sounds like you could do that, but no, you can't really do that. It's a bit of a quantum leap. Yes, James. (laughs) I can't, honest. Um, I personally believe that telekinesis is possible and may be explainable in quantum terms, if only because no one has proven otherwise, and I tend to be open-minded. But as it stands, there's no quantum theory that exists that can make sense of Stephen King's carry. Sorry. (laughs) Lucy just left. She's done. Lucy left. That's it. Nice, nice knowing her. That having been said, quantum mechanics identifies a mysterious hole in the universe that we don't have much explanation for, because we have, as yet, not been able to make sense of what we observe there. Spooky action, for example. There's theories, and this is when physics strays into its bizarreness, academic scientists positing the existence of parallel universes, for example, and the possibility of time travel. All of these things uh, become possibilities anyway in the quantum world. The functioning of our brains and our conscious minds can be seen to fall into this mysterious hole. Um, So that's the long way of saying our goal today is to prove that consciousness is, from a quantum standpoint, unexplainable in physical terms. That's all we're getting to. That's all we're going for. We're not going to go much further than that because I am not a quantum physicist. Well, uh, we'll also look at how this might create the opportunity for us to predict the future. Just FYI. So telekinesis huh. and foresight. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. But I, I thought you were just saying Superheroes that it, it can't be explained by physical terms. Is that what you just said? Which part? Right when the thing you said before. Yes. Things. We are yeah. going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we're going to firmly place the brain in this mysterious hole uh-huh. and say that's all we can know about it. Uh-huh. But caveat, we're also going to say that it's possible that we can predict the future using quantum physics. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to buckle in my seatbelt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but just as a promise to everyone, we are not going to talk about 35,000-year-old Lemurians on this particular episode. Nice. All right. We're talking the potential of quantum physics to make sense of how our consciousness is not limited to our brains. We can interpret this as a quantum opening for the soul, or we don't have to. You don't have to. I leave that up to you. We're going to be talking about an article first um, by Jeffrey Schwartz, Henry Stapp, and Mario Beauregard. It's the deepest... <laughs> it's it's his, the name. It's Beauregard. Getting, it's, yes. I like that. It's a fancy it's a name. Good fancy bu- name. Butler name. Good. He's a physicist. He just like put butler. him down to being a butler. He might. He might have his own butler. There's nothing wrong with being a butler. Well, but when you go from being a physicist to a butler, what if you're like a physicist butler? Both. Yes. Yeah. Tell that to or Alfred Penny. I was literally a about butler. to say this sounds like a anyway a sidekick. It's the deep end of the pool, um, but it's also brilliant. So you'll find it linked on our website if you're interested. This particular article by Mario and friends. It's homework. 
Dr. Beauregard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're go and read this. We're assigning yeah. homework. It's false. But you don't have to do the homework. We'll just talk about it right now. Oh. You never have to do that. Oh. Homework. <laughs> you just bad grades if you don't. Let's start do by hearing from the authors directly. Um, our alchemical actors are going to read read some from the physicists. They're going to explain why classical Newtonian physics doesn't quite work for an explanation of conscious beings with free will. Classical Newtonian physics, for our purposes, has got two big components we want to think through. First, the universe is governed by a cause and effect structure. And so, second, all events in the universe are predetermined. Let's let that sink in for a second. Predetermination. Wait. If the universe is governed by a cause and effect structure, then all events in the universe are predetermined. Oh, I hate that. Let's just think this through, though. A comet streaks through the sky. Some event at the dawn of creation, like right now, right? We could just look outside and they could be like, ooh, a comet. But what this theory is saying, in, in Newtonian physics, this is how it would explain that comet. Something happened after the Big Bang that caused a chain of events that led to that comet today. But that then can be utilized to explain everything everywhere. Everything has followed a chain of cause and effect that is more or less inevitable beginning with the Big Bang. So there's not really any free will. It sort of challenges the concept of free will. It's challenging. According to classical physics, you are a mechanical automaton. Your every physical action was predetermined before you were born solely by mechanical interactions between tiny, mindless entities. Your mental aspects are casually redundant. Everything you do is completely determined by mechanical conditions alone without any mention of your thoughts, ideas, feelings, or intentions. Your intuitive feeling that your conscience intentions make a difference in what you do is, according to the principles of classic physics, a false and misleading illusion. So this might not make sense, but you say everything's predetermined, like, uh, are there multiple predetermined like outcomes? outcomes? Because I know well, one thing result, like, this thing happens and it has this effect, but I know in certain situations, one thing happening can have multiple effects or different, it just depends how it comes. So does it have different outcomes based on, I guess, no, if it's one, if it's a one cause and effect, then what you're saying is that there is one predetermined outcome, right? Uh, but a certain like action could have multiple effects, but right. all those were planned out from the That's time. what I'm getting at, yeah. Okay. For, Is that... We may think that we're free, but we're really not. Okay, yeah. yeah. Starting with the birth. Uh, let me work this through for y'all, as you're, you're starting to do here. If we live in a universe of cause and effect, then every molecule around me, and in me, as you're saying, has gotten here through a long string of causes. This is the most recent effect that we're living right now here. In the at, the at the theater, as we're recording this episode, this mm -hmm. is just the most recent effect of all these strings of causes. But we're just in a string, which actually, what, what is actually happening is more causes that will have more effects and causes and on and on. We're not really living an effect. We're living a cause for another effect, a future okay. effect. And since every aspect and every atom that I'm made up of as well as everything in my world, has been preordained from the birth, the dawn of time. With the Big Bang, every seemingly free thought and action has been similarly preordained. My DNA, the circumstances of my birth, the people I've met, 
have all been predetermined by this chain of cause and effect. Do you see? The things that we say shape us. What about like, like, like our preferences? Those are determined by arguably your DNA and the people who have raised you and the people you have interacted with. Who nature are all versus nurture. Yeah. How does the effect. soul? But even nature versus nature Both and nurture are, are all. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. we're all trapped in a Newtonian universe where we have no free will. But yeah, how does the soul come into play? How does that prove this? I mean, I guess that's what this whole episode well, we is about. Yet, yes. but like... <laughs> this is the problem, not the solution. Oh, okay. these things yeah. aren't lining up right now. We're not getting exactly. to the soul here. We're finding further and further away. If we're if the universe is a purely Newtonian universe then we don't have free will, we're just monkeys doing as we're told. Dancing monkeys. I feel, I feel like we're apes. Right? Yes, no. dancing apes, that's yeah. true. Yes, with our prehensile... Or lemurs? <laughs> lemurs, I think, are monkeys. I thought that I those were assume. the things that came up out of the... Well, we're wood monkeys, aren't we? sand, and, like, puff their... <laughs> Groundhogs? <laughs> no, they're, like, Timon. Think of yourself as, that's a meerkat. Uh, think of yourself, uh, just to put a point on this before we move on, not lemurs and meerkats, but uh, you're following a set groove in a chain. You're walking in your groove and you can't get out of your groove. Everything in the universe comes back to cause and effect. The quantum world, however, which now Olivia, maybe you'll cotton to it a little bit here. The quantum world doesn't work that way. Oh, so. I don't like things telling me that things well, are predestined. Well, how does it yeah. work, Rob? <laughs> Funny you should ask, James. <laughs> Let's start uh, by talking about the observer effect. Okay. <laughs> Let's say I have two walls and a cannon. All right, boys, somebody get a cannon and the walls. Somebody get the cannon and the walls. Wait, were we supposed to bring those in from home? All right, who ordered the large cannons? Me, I'm the extra pepperoni. One wall is heavy-duty titanium, and there's a hole in it. All right, somebody cut a hole in the titanium one. Somebody cut a hole in the titanium one. I'll cut a hole in the titanium one. The other is some kind of enormous gelatin mold. Who's got the jello? Who's got the jello? I got the jello right here, strawberry. I want apple. Can we have pudding instead? I shoot my cannon over and over at the titanium wall, and the balls collect in that big vertical gelatin mold in a pattern corresponding to where the hole is in the titanium wall. Opposite the hole is where all the balls collect. But what type of balls? Are they bowling balls? I put two holes in the wall, and the same thing happens, except this time there's two patterns in the gelatin wall corresponding to the two holes in my titanium wall directly across from the hole we see the balls collect. Now I trade out my cannon for a water wave ray. Somebody bring in the water wave ray! Somebody bring in the water wave ray? Ray's got the ray! <laughs> and that shoots water through these two holes. Fire! Fire! But fire, guys, it's water wave ray, right? Right? Uh, now, it's shooting water not like the cannon, but rather in literal water waves, like you would see going along the surface of a pond. And as the waves pass through the two holes, they wear away a pattern in my gelatin wall according to where the water hits that wall with the greatest intensity. I observe parallel straight lines. Parallel straight lines. Parallel yes, straight observe lines. Should I be writing this down? Write it down. Right? Yeah. Okay. Waves behave a bit differently than cannonballs. They cross and interfere with each other after they pass through the holes, so that they end up striking the wall in a bunch of ways at an angle from the original hole, forming those parallel lines all across the wall. This is what we call an interference pattern. Interference! 
On the offense. I have some questions about <laughs> that. Yes. First of do all, do tell Lucy. When you say waves of uh-huh. water, yes. Are you talking about like a hose, or are you talking about the kind of waves that are in a wave pool? Yeah, or wave the ocean? pool. Second wave one. Pool. Wave pool. Got so it. the wave pool waves are working their way through these two holes, and then they're crossing each other when they get through the holes, and that's what's causing this series of parallel lines to form on the other side, on the gelatin wall. And because the waves have been interfered with. Yeah, they cross each other, which changes the way they hit that wall. They hit it at these different they points. They interfere with themselves. Yes. yes, and they cause all these, so like, covering more of a the dozen gelatin. lines. Instead of being, like, one point in the gelatin, is just kind of all over it. Right. It's, like, going different direction. Okay. With and those cannons. Lines. Yeah. Okay. 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 Now let's shrink my cannon and my walls down to the micro level, the little tiny quantum level of things. The molecular level? Yes. All right, boys, somebody get a cannon on the walls. Somebody get a cannon on the walls. I'm no longer shooting cannonballs. I'm shooting electrons. But that doesn't matter. We can still imagine the cannonballs. I like that sound effect, They're basically the same idea as cannonballs. They're single round objects passing through these two holes in my tiny titanium wall. Tiny titanium wall. Tiny titanium wall. Uh, So they should gather on the gelatin mold in the same places corresponding to the holes. But they don't. They actually create the same pattern I saw with my water wave gun. So I'm shooting tiny, tiny, tiny cannonballs, electron cannonballs, Uh and they're acting like waves. They should form two little pockets, just like my giant cannonballs did. But because we've shrunk down to the micro level, they're forming these parallel lines all across the wall instead of these two little pockets. That's yeah. interesting. Weird stuff. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was only shooting them straight at the holes one at a time. That's even weirder. And they were still making How lines? How could one molecule be a wave? Wait. When did you do this? Kind of following the trail of the wave. You have a baby. Did you have time to do this? I have lots of tiny things now. You made a gelatin wall. You know, you keep saying you're not a physicist, but now I'm thinking that's just what a physicist would say. (laughs) The The only way for these electrons to veer off in these strange directions is if they pass through both holes at the same time and interfered with themselves on the other side. Okay. All right. Got it. Because I'm only shooting one at a time. So okay. how is it interfering with another one? I don't know. Please tell me. I, yeah. Quantumness. Okay. <laughs> if I use a device to slow down time, I can stand by the wall and watch as my little electron cannonball goes through. But here's the weird thing. There's Ooh. We have more weird things. <laughs> this whole thing wasn't is weird. This is my favorite Spookiness part. Spookiness from a distance? Is that what this is? When I do that now, we're, we're past that. Oh. Sorry. When I do that, <laughs> the electron strikes the wall like a cannonball. When you're watching it. When I'm watching it. It doesn't behave it like a It just acts like a normal cannonball. What? Goes right through and hits the wall. When I stop watching it, it acts like a wave, and all my electrons form these lines. <sighs> Why? I don't, I don't like Yeah, that. why? <laughs> this is called the observer effect. Mm. When I don't watch, the electron exists in two states at once and passes through both holes at once. Literally, this one particle passes through both holes at the same time, interferes with itself, and forms this pattern like a wave. 
when I do watch, it acts like a molecule, passes through one hole, and gathers on the other side like a cannonball. But how? Why? Yeah, I don't... This is like the basic quantum test, right? Like We've been doing this for a long time. And the answer to... always turns this way. Yes. We are confident that this is how it works. And the how and the why is... We don't know. It gets stage fright. <laughs> it gets nervous when people are watching. It doesn't want to show off anymore. That's why ghosts just... don't appear when you expect them to. All right, let's make our experiment even even stranger. Okay. Have we got this Ooh. so far? Yes. I can't I can't tell you why. I can't tell you yeah. how or why it this just, is true. It but it, this is how it works at the quantum level. Just another leap of faith. Here we. Well, no, it's happening. You don't have to leap. It feels like we're I'm... here. <laughs> This is how it's happening. It does feel I'm like a, a secret leap. physicist. See, I agree. <laughs> Me and my baby are secret physicists doing experiments with tiny things. Let's wait. <laughs> Second experiment. Let's wait until the electron passes through the holes and then look to see what it's doing. Good idea. That's very good. So before right? you were just waiting for it to pass through and watch. And I was watching. I was watching it pass through and it acted right. like a cannonball. So I'm this saying. This time you're turned around. We're going to turn around until it passes through. But you're still in the room. And then you're going to trick it. And then I'm going to turn back. Turn around real fast. Yeah, and I'll see it. The timing has got to be... And it'll be point. like, oh no! <laughs> and it's it'll being watched. go back? It'll oh. pull its pants up. Can so turn this into like a short play? <laughs> this is like an avant-garde show waiting to happen. <laughs> right, here it is. Um, so if we do that, if we wait to watch until after it passes through, the... The collapse happens just the same as if we did it before it passed through the holes, and it hits the wall opposite one of the holes like a cannonball. So I didn't watch. And when I don't watch, it's supposed to act like a wave. Mm -hmm. But I turned around and watched real quick after it passed through, and suddenly It it acted like a particle. Here's why that's weird. In order for it to act like a wave and interfere with itself, it has to pass through both holes, right? You got me? Yes. Yes. So there's got to be two of them. Well, it's one of it's, right. it's it's one of itself passing through both holes and acting mm-hmm. wavy. But when I turn and see it after it's passed through the hole, even though it had acted like a wave when it passed through and the holes, it, too, it, it changes again. its mind and acts like a particle again so because it, I'm watching it. Did it erase? The it past? goes back in time. Yes, <laughs> yes, it goes back in time and changes what it did oh. based on what I do in the future. Or maybe it anticipated <sighs> your turn, your cheat, your cheatingness. <laughs> I'm just going to explain this again for we our listeners like, so that it's clear. A explosion sound effect, like our minds just like. I can add that if you want. Yes, the- or you can keep what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just just amplify it, or just exactly yeah, like that. With background music. Oh, background music. I want it to be very tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be very tasteful. Right, let me help the listeners again. Okay, so I'm just going to do this one more time. The ball had already passed through the holes in the titanium wall, and I didn't look. Somehow, it knew not to pass through both, but only to pass through one, because this little electron, this inert electron that has no consciousness of its own, was aware that I was going to look in the future, so it decided to act like a particle. So does it have a consciousness of some sort? I could have even flipped a coin after it passed through the hole and decided to look or not look depending on where the coin fell, totally random, and it would know and act according to the coin flip. Before the coin has been flipped, before I've made my choice, it would know and act accordingly. Can you say God? 
<laughs> the electron. Uh, if I don't look, it forms an interference pattern consistent with the water wave. If I do look, it hits the gelatin wall opposite the hole like a cannonball. The future somehow determines the past. So you're saying that it's not... Are you saying it's not the electron changing the future, but the future changing the electron? We don't know. The electron has what's called superposition. It is passing through both holes, no holes, one hole, and the other hole, all at the same time. It's not until I choose to observe the electron that the superposition collapses into just one option. This is like the biggest oh. if you hear a tree fall in the forest. Right, right. that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> but for real, this is yeah, real. but real yeah. life. <laughs> and it doesn't matter when I make this observation. Just, I'm going to give you another way to think about this, and Shannon will have to make the mind-blown sound effect again, I suspect. <laughs> Starlight. <laughs> Lucy just leaned in. Starlight from distant galaxies travels to Earth in a superposition. Because it's all little tiny electrons, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what basically... Hitting us in multiple streams at once. But if I focus on and observe the starlight, which had to have been emitted millions of years ago, that's how long it takes right. starlight from distant galaxies to reach us, across the universe and on land and Earth, to land on Earth, the superposition collapses into one position and the starlight strikes the earth in just that one spot I observe. Yeah. So my choice to observe millions of years later changes how the starlight passes through the universe, through space. But wouldn't it just be there because the stars look the same for everybody and someone's always looking at them. <laughs> Does that, is that, uh, maybe I'm not grasping it. Whose job is it to keep their eye on the stars? The star watcher. <laughs> Star, that's a cool job. That, that sounds cool. like a cool name, Starwatcher. Or Can a that super be one of our job. names? Like we have Star. Oh, we need a Starwatcher. Like we'll add that to the star to watcher, the titles. Yeah, the we'll be uh, supreme hierophant. Inducting people into new titles, beginning with our next season. All right, this is Schrodinger's famous thought experiment of the cat in the box, also known as Schrodinger's cat. A cat is penned up in a steel chamber, along with the following device which must be secured against direct interference by the cat. In a Geiger counter, there is a tiny bit of radioactive substance, so small that, perhaps in the course of the hour, one of the atoms decays, but also with equal probability, perhaps none. If it happens, the counter tube discharges, and through a relay, releases a hammer that shatters a small flask of hydrocyanic acid. Hey, what happened to my cat? Uh, can you say that again? So imagine my little electron that can do both things at once is inside this box. And this little electron and the way it moves determines whether this cat lives or dies. Like it releases a knife or some deadly thing that kills the cat. And it's just hanging out in this box. It's hanging out in this box with the cat. Deciding if it wants to kill the cat or not. But as we've observed, the electron is both killing the cat and not killing the cat at the same time. It's passing through both holes and no holes all at once. Do you see what I mean? Until we observe it. And then the cat is either dead or alive. But until we observe it, says Schrodinger, according to this thought experiment, the cat is both dead and alive. We don't know unless Aren't all so cats both dead and alive? So it doesn't matter if the cat is, like, looking at it or not. It's just, like, people? You don't know unless you open the box. That's, like, the oh, thing. Okay. Like, but you don't know it doesn't cat... change whether or not the cat is or isn't right. dead inside the box and you just can't see it. But the when cat you, later you'll smell it. Like. No, 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 no. It literally is both alive and dead until you look. 
because the electron is doing both things at once. Oh. It's both killing the cat and not killing the cat simultaneously. It's the same thing as it passing right. through the wall, the two holes in the one. Or the same right. Time. You looking at it is what decides. If right. it's to live, yes. So is this what kind of gave birth to the sci-fi, like, parallel galaxy uh, dimension? All of it's Rick like, oh, and Morty goes back I to this. I was literally about to say <laughs> Rick and Morty is... <laughs> We see some atomic effects impacting the macrophysical world in electrical and thermal conductivity uh, and various other areas. I know, we're not going to worry about that. But it's there, just yeah. so you know. Um, in other words, the actions of tiny particles change the way bigger and bigger systems work, though. Because if it affects electricity, and electricity works all the way up to your, I don't know, fan and your light bulb and your microwave then at the subatomic level and the macro level are linked. But what about our own electrons? Go on. So, uh, I don't know how I want to... Never mind. This isn't fully formed. But, but you're going in the right direction. Do you here. get where I'm, I'm We have to... electrons. Yes, we do. So then, I don't know how to... That have a superposition. You gotta Absolutely. eat that mic. I just don't know how to, like, exactly... I'm just now thinking about this question, so I don't know how to exactly word what I'm saying. But if we have electrons with us, then how does this, I guess, how does it translate to... Mm... Let's go through the brain, shall we? Yeah, okay, yeah. thank you. Because this is how your brain works. I've always yeah. wanted to go there. <laughs> well, we're going. All right. Only took six episodes. down in our little spaceship. Here we Aww. go. Wow, that's such a nice, calm spaceship sound. Yeah. <laughs> Considering we're tiny. Yeah. Right. It's a big, uh, our brain is a big macro element in our visible world, right? Uh -huh. Just like the cat. Mm -hmm. If we cut open your head, we can see the matter that makes uh -huh. up your brain. Well, we got to get in there somehow. Okay. Uh, and we have devices that can show the firing of synapses in your brain, which is electrical, right? Electrons. If that's the kind of thing we want to see. Which James apparently does not want to see that. I'll look at it. I'm just saying I wasn't prepared. I didn't know uh, that we were going to cut your head open. Right. Uh, the firing of these synapses depends on our teeny tiny subatomic process because all these little electrons, as Olivia is pointing out, in your body. Mm -hmm. The firing of synapses revolves around the movement of calcium ions through channels less than a nanometer in diameter. So it's very, very tiny little electro particles moving through your brain that are causing all the things that your body does. Mm -hmm. This teeny tininess brings the quantum superposition into play. The teeny tininess. The teeny tininess. This is as if Aww. a kindergarten teacher was teaching you quantum mechanics. <laughs> I think that's what I need. <laughs> Here I am. I'm your kindergarten teacher teaching quantum mechanics. What happens in the brain is not a single discrete process, but a vast cloud of possible processes. Okay. Do you see? Right, like I'm the cat it. being both alive yeah. and dead. Mm -hmm. The physical brain is large enough to function as a nearly classical body in space, because we can see it, right? Like the cat. But it is only nearly classical because of the quantum behavior, the tiny little nano electrons passing through it, of those calcium ions underneath the determined brain state that they collapse into. Well, then could you argue that... That the brain operates according to quantum physics. How do we know that we're in physics? control of... Mm, Here we go. Here we go. Like, oh, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I don't understand. <laughs> in order for the quantum possibilities to collapse into the single classical physical state for the brain, some consciousness must make a choice. Right. So, we're yes. not in... That's yes, the 
suggesting that we're not in complete control. No, we have that's free will. That we do have that's control our free because will. the way we choose to see, like, see our brain makes that choice. And but are we, we controlling technically then the electrons? Like, are yes. we? We are. You're saying, I, I hear what you're saying, Olivia. If our, if our, if we are our physical brains, then yeah, it seems like nothing is in control. But we can't be because our electrons are all existing in multiple states. Some observer, some consciousness has to pop in and choose one. Look, look, mm -hmm. look, look, look. Pick, yeah. pick, 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 so pick. So we are literally the observation. That's our consciousness. That's free will right oh, there. okay. Wow, we came from Newton, Ooh. right? Yeah, but, I like this a lot better. Yeah, I love yeah, this. <laughs> now yeah. we love quantum physics. I'm gonna cut the episode so that we're all saying this first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quantum physics is the best. <laughs> we are the chooser for our brains. Okay, now I'm all right. Well, we don't. I don't. We we okay. we don't like choose everything though. I think I think a better way to put this would be like we are the observers of our. Brains. Right, and but trying to do the best we can with what our physical circumstances sometimes are. Sometimes my brain doesn't do what I want it to. But we're <laughs> if we're still the cause and effect in this cause and effect chain, then then do we have free will? We're a cause outside of the chain. Even if the okay. we are because of the quantum thing, so we uh -huh. can change the chain. We are saying? yes, we are the ones making all the choices within that chain from somewhere outside of the physical world. We, or outside of the physical brain, I'm not saying the physical world, but outside of the physical brain, we must be choosing from a space beyond it. So the we're, but we aren't our brains. We're choosing the We're causes. the force inside the brain making the choice. We are the force! But are things still predestined? They can't be on a quantum level because on a quantum level, yeah. superposition exists yeah. and things can exist in two states at once. We're collapsing the binaries. We're making those choices. We're free. And if everything or multiple things are functioning this same way, then I think that does really disrupt the like first theory that we were talking about. The Newtonian theory. Yes, the Newtonian theory. Part of the problem is that we're blocked from knowing the origin of our free choice by the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which states that the behavior of these little calcium ions is unknowable to the precision of figuring out what the choice will be. The uncertainty, I know, I know. It goes something, let me, let me explain that. I didn't get any of that. Right. Did that just, okay. Looking at a subatomic particle, we can't know the exact momentum and the exact position of that particle at the same time. And this is because every little particle behaves as both a cannonball and a water wave mm -hmm. simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about that so much. The more you try and pin down a specific location or momentum, the more uncertain the opposite quantity becomes. Narrow down the momentum and you'll have no idea where the subatomic particle is going. Narrow down the location and you'll have no idea of its momentum. But this isn't just because we don't have a strong enough measuring tool to capture both pieces of information. The uncertainty is part of how the particle exists. It has a superposition of possible locations and possible momentums all existing at the same time. The particle exists in an uncertain, unfixed state. So as you try to pin down one thing about it, the other thing slips away from you. You can never know both things at once. Mm -hmm. So we can never truly understand how the chooser's functioning. It's kind of beautiful in it's, a weird it is. way. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It maintains an uncertainty that can't be pinned down, except when it's collapsed into a single finite conclusion by us, observers. Oh. 
But the observer can't be a regular feature of classic Newtonian physics, because everything in that world is a slave to cause and effect, and the observer must be free to maintain the fundamental uncertainty of the quantum functioning deep inside our brains. Quantum uncertainty can't make sense in our brains unless there's some chooser. Then we would all of us be constantly doing two things simultaneously, which doesn't make any sense. It's not how the world so works. Something Something's out there. Yeah. Right. Something's out there. Since the subatomic worlds. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> How do it's they the always make it in? I mean, if you want to go along with... Never mind. So the sub <laughs> since the subatomic world is built around superpositions and uncertainty, there's no way for the functioning of our physical brains to be deterministic in the Newtonian sense. And the chooser, him or herself, also must fall outside the boundaries of a Newtonian deterministic cause and effect universe. My free choice cannot be predetermined because of quantum uncertainty. There can be no cause for it, and so it must reside somewhere beyond the limits of what we know about the physical world. Maybe I'm in the quantum world, but I'm actually kind of an unknown quantity that quantum physicists have to figure into their experiments because as an observer, I affect the results. And we're using quantum physics to explain how our subatomic brains work. So there's still no explanation for the observer inside the brain. We will never be able Unless to figure it's that the out. Soul. There's another consequence to interpreting the brain according to quantum physics. We might be able to predict the future. That would be convenient. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Wait. Didn't mean to but interrupt yeah. with my explosion. <laughs> Our brains can connect the future with the past, just like the electron can pass through both holes and one hole in my miniature titanium wall. This idea goes to an experiment by Daryl Bem from 2011. Bem did an experiment in which he asked his subjects to choose between two concealed slots and decide behind which one an erotic picture was hidden. Porn. <laughs> Select a door. Select a door. Uh, bright. Computer, randomly select door to release image. Computer, randomly selecting door to release image. Open the door. Opening the door. Nice. He used an erotic picture as a potent stimulus to encourage his subjects to make the correct choice. So it was just like a picture of like a stick. Bird. It yeah, would have worked bird. if he put food behind the door. Yeah, maybe. It depends like on the food. Like a lab rat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I like cheese. So it's like, tough it's for a computer to like make food for you, though, I think. Just pictures. More no. So after they'd made the choice, he had this computer randomly select a slide and place the picture. Select a door. Select a door. Just one door or two doors? Because you you both said the, to pick a door. One. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> Computer, randomly select door to release image to. Computer, randomly select door to release image to. Open door. Opening door. Oh. Scandalous. <laughs> so the, it's, the important thing is the choice was made after the fact. So they okay. picked, a, yeah. picked a door, and then the computer picked which door it would show the thing. You see the future and the past oh. here. In a control case, he got a 50% hit result. Huh. That That's makes a, sense. about right, yeah. yeah. Like flipping a coin. Even chance would be expected. Using the erotic pictures as stimuli, however, he got a 53% hit result. Oh, shit. Mm. Seems minor. <laughs> 
Um, but 3% is actually a lot. It's yeah. significantly above chance. I'm just saying, if we put food behind these doors, it would have been easily 56%. <laughs> a separate experiment asked subjects to guess a random number generated by a computer before it was created and showed a correlation between the psychic engagement and the accuracy of the result. Wait, so this time the computer picked a number after they said their number? Yeah, now we're not looking for porn. We're just trying to imagine a number and then the computer picks a number at random. Uh, in an article talking about these experiments, Richard Shoup argues that the brain is actually acting as a random number generator itself. The quantum properties of the brain are entangled with the future result produced by the computer, so that the subatomic particles in the brain, the little calcium ions firing off our synapses, are actually able to read the number out of the future. Do you think Whoa. that has to do with genius? I think possibly all the like things we've been talking that... about. Yeah. Maybe they just... They're tapped into this. Yeah. They're allowed to use their brains on a quantum level yeah. in ways that all of us are not necessarily up to. And we can sort of engage our brains on a quantum level when we have our creative, you know, genius. Yeah. They're the electrons uh, deciding in the past. So let's just go back to this calcium ions. Um, those little calcium ions are deciding in the past which hole to pass through based on whether or not they'll be observed in the future. The observation is the fixed number on the computer screen, which is entangled with our quantum brain state in the past. The more I let my brain act like a random number generator, as Olivia's saying, the more I let myself, release myself to that genius of the cloud, the dark cloud, the more likely I am to get an accurate result. In other words, if I let go... Let the number come to me, intuitively, hmm. rather so than forcing one into my head. Mm -hmm. I'll be more likely to get a correct guess. So you're saying, I don't need to study for school. <laughs> I just need to let it come yes, to me. You heard that here from the call confessions. <laughs> don't study. Thanks, <laughs> Professor Rob. Oh, man. Let's hear from Shoop. Correlation due to a past or future entanglement can appear to be information transfer if undetermined events are involved. Future constraints can have a, an effect if the past does not determine the future completely, i.e. when a superposition exists. In other words, it's not information passing from the future to the past, but rather a collapse of a quantum entanglement. It's the starlight from a million years ago falling to Earth in a single spot because I decided to turn my attention to it. Our brain is capable of the same entanglement, the same engagement across time in the weird subatomic world of quantum physics. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Laps right. for quantum Woo, physics. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to bring us home here. That's, that's pretty much it for our... <laughs> My brain is so capable, yet so underused. <laughs> Have I convinced you, Olivia, that the immortal mind is a possibility? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta... Overall consensus. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and that's all we were after. Uh, this series was about opening up the possibility and showing that these notions that we have, that immortality and an immortal mind are just impossible, that we must die with our brains, are actually not nearly as fixed and determined as we thought. In fact, this possibility not only exists, but as we go through this, it actually begins to seem more likely than any alternative. It's the only way to make sense of all the mysteries that surround us in our heads. This episode, honestly, I think made the most sense of it to me. Like, this was like the biggest convincer. Well, here we yeah. go. So if folks listen, yeah, one to six in <laughs> Once order. Once you like wrap your head around it, 
But this made home. this made all of the other stuff make more sense to me. See, and you yeah, didn't like it when we started. You gotta listen no, to our not. other episodes. <laughs> go to sleep at night, enter the dark pool. Yeah, and then come back, and it makes sense. And you'll get quantum physics. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Let's uh, plug a few things before we bring it home. Uh, so they should find us on occultconfessions.com. Okay. Uh, friends, you can come to that website and find all the resources that we're using to build the episodes. Also, the link to our Patreon page. If you give us just a dollar a month, that will go far to encouraging us in our efforts here. So far. Just a dollar, just a buck a month. <laughs> if you're feeling like two a month, we won't complain. All the things we could do. So yeah. many things. So many things. So Speaking many. of which, uh, what, what other things are we doing out in the wide world of the web? Oh, we have an Instagram. Is that yeah, what Yeah, Shannon is yeah. the master yeah. of the Instagram. Master of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say master, but I'm pretty good at What's it. What's going you know? on over there? What what you got posting on the Instagrams there? The gram. Yeah, on the gram. Well, I just um, have lots of pictures. Cool. Posted on Neat. Instagram. Yeah. So if you ever have a question about an episode, you can message us on our social media and we can yeah. discuss it on the podcast. You or can comment questions on the pictures. That's fun. So Let's... everybody can see the questions what's and, the instagram handle? oh it's just occult confessions yeah so cool. it's super easy and that's for our twitter it's going to be podcast occult is how you're going to find us you can also tweet questions there at us um tweet things that maybe you would like us to cover in like a patreon episode something you'd be interested in sure. any interesting like links you want us to see or share with other people feel free we are open yeah we're, we're already starting to think about our second year so mm-hmm. by all means give us give us some thoughts tweet us some ideas Insta us, gram us. DM, slide right into our DM. Slide into yes. that. That sounds. I'll be waiting. It's do we want them to do that? Okay, it's... fine. Cool. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, our, go ahead, Olivia. Let's let's bring it home, and then we'll talk about the excerpt. I hereby adjourn and declare closed this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors until such a time as we get together and do it again. So on our next series, uh, we're going to be looking at black magic. Black Sorry. (laughs) Olivia will be singing that series. I'm only going to be singing about, I have a number about the satanic panic. I've got a whole love ballad about Aleister Crowley. We'll start moving to Spotify after this. Yeah, I'm going to make a Spotify playlist. Actually, uh, that's a genius idea. (laughs) We're doing episodes on the evil eye and hex death, human sacrifice, Jaws de Ray, killer of many little French children. Speak occult to me. In the medieval (laughs) period. Uh, we've got hashtag that hashtag speak, speak occult to me. <laughs> a couple episode series on Crowley and uh, the Nazis and Satanic Panic. That is that's going to be our series, give or take. Um, so, ooh, we had the voices of uh, Brandon Walls and Ray Candela uh, joining us for first episode here, and. Also, Johnny Cook was in the mix. Jacob, I think. Jacob Wheatley. We were also joined today by Savannah Verrett and Nick Ross. Uh, we were joined today, uh, as usual, by Olivia. Bye. James. Bye-bye. Shannon. Bye. And Lucy. Farewell. Thank you for joining us on Occult Confessions. Be sure to like and subscribe, and we yes. will uh, catch you in two weeks to open Black Magic. Catch Woo. you on the dark side. Woo! Because Black Magic is dark. <laughs>